Easter, for me, in this particular case, is incredibly meaningful because it was two years ago when I was going through the interview process of coming here and candidating to be uh, one of your elders and your pastor that it was on an Easter morning at the church where I was serving at that I realized I was watching another guy preach and I didn't want to watch anyone else preach on an Easter ever again. And it was at that point that I really felt called to this pulpit and called here. And last year, I wasn't allowed to do that. I wasn't allowed to preach on Sunday morning to you all for Easter Sunday because of the circumstances of the world around us. So it is really good uh, to be able to unpack and hear alongside you of the word of the Lord to us. Our sermon this morning will come from Luke chapter 24, verses 5 through 7. And if you are new to Christianity, or maybe you are not in the faith of Christianity, you should know that this is one of the most important days of the year for a Christian because it is the very climax of our actual hope. While at the same time our hope is expressed today is nothing different than what we do every single day. It is nothing different than how we hope every single week. It is nothing different than the hope that we walk in with and the hope that we walk away with every Lord's Day worship. Because the resurrection of Christ is the greatest event In all of history, it changes everything for us, and it is a permanent transition for the lives of those who call themselves followers of Jesus. It is the main event in God's redemptive plan. This is the tension that is resolved in all of the Scripture. It is the cornerstone, and it is the foundation of the very gospel that we place our hope in. Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So according to Scripture, it is not only important that you all, that we are reminded that the Resurrection Sunday is important to us, but according to Scripture, to really believe, to really be saved from your sins, believing the resurrection of Jesus is necessary. The promise throughout all of Scripture, is that our death is not the end of our existence, but rather a doorway to what's to come. It's a doorway to an eternal, joyful life with God to those who have placed themselves in the trust of Jesus. For those who believe in Jesus as the substitutionary Savior and also as the resurrected Lord, our hope is eternal to where we look at death We recognize its sting, but we also understand that it is not the end for us. Jesus says of himself that he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Now, at some point, you could sit back and read your Bible from cover to cover and find rest in assurance that the promised and delivered Messiah Jesus himself, his resurrection would obtain the security that people from the beginning of time have been longing for again and again and again. You look at all the characters of the scriptures and they are grasping for something that they cannot grab on their own until it is provided for them through a perfect man, a horrible death, and a glorious resurrection. Each gospel for us. So if you're new to the scriptures, we are now looking at the book of Luke. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the gospels. And each of those gospels, it's like observing one main event through different lenses or different eyesights. They might capture different practicalities of what happened. But in all of these gospels, 
they describe the events surrounding the resurrection, and they all say it happens. And the events amongst various people and political powers are unfolding in very dramatic ways. And in our passage today, and in other gospel accounts like the Gospel of Matthew, what's so staggering to us, you think about the resurrection, what's so staggering to us is that nobody assumed that the resurrection would happen. They all watched the crucifixion and they thought, that's it. We just believed in someone who let us down, another person who let us down, whether that was Moses who let down the Israelites, or Abraham who let down his followers, or David who fell on his face because of his sin, yet they were looking at a Jesus who was in a tomb. And in your copy of God's Word, you'll see that at the very end of Luke, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 24, that a very wonderful and admirable group of ladies did what they thought would honor the man they loved and followed. They were going to balm him with certain spices as if to revere his body, the carefulness that they wanted him to eternally rest in, they were providing. They were going to the tomb at the very beginning of this passage where Jesus had been buried three days before. So he was buried on a Friday and then a Saturday, and then Sunday started at midnight on Saturday night for us. So it was on a third day before that that he would have been crucified and was buried. But in verse 2, it says that they found a stone rolled away. Now, these stones would not be something that the average Joe or even the buff Bill could roll away. This is not something that you could do, right? So they were finding something that already mesmerized them because where did the stone go? And not only had the stone been rolled away, but the body of Jesus wasn't even inside. And so they were, according to our text, the the text you might have in front of us says that they were perplexed. They were lost for words. They didn't understand what was happening, but something amazing happened right in front of them. Something supernatural came on the scene. Now, these women had come from Galilee. They were following a man named Joseph, and you see this at the end of chapter 23 where they saw the body dead on Friday and then went off to get spices to adorn the body in the tomb, and they couldn't do it on Saturday because that was a Sabbath, so they would come back on a Sunday. Now, you should imagine these women having an extremely exhausted weekend. All the women that I know with children have extremely exhausting weekends, right? The weekends is supposed to be for relaxing, and I've never met anyone by 9 a.m. on Saturday who says, man, I feel really relaxed right now. But not only are the regular events going on in these ladies' lives, but the one who they followed, the one who they adored, the one who they loved, they just saw not just his funeral, but his crucifixion. They would have been exhausted. And what they would have seen on Friday would have given them medical shock, where they witnessed the most bizarre, horrific experience. The man they loved, whom they followed and trusted with their hearts for what he said would happen, he would inaugurate the kingdom of God. So you think about this, the very thing that that these Jewish people would have been hoping for, for centuries and centuries and centuries. And here's this man who says, I'm going to bring the kingdom of God with me. And there they see him dead. And he died quickly surrounded by alarmingly environmental shocks like an earthquake or a blackness in the sky, not through an eclipse, but a supernatural darkness that would fall all over them. And so you and I encounter them in this text, dutifully trying to continue to adore and love Jesus. But he wasn't there where they last saw him. But what they saw was astounding. Look with your eyes at verse 4. 
verse 4 of chapter 24. It says, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Behold, or look, these two men were standing beside them in dazzling apparel. What they saw would be written about in other accounts as angels. These weren't just ordinary men. They weren't just wearing, you know, amazing robes, but they were angels who were looking at them. So I want you to see from this text that there is an angelic pronouncement that is going towards these women. And this angelic pronouncement is also not only for them, but for us to understand. So if you're using an outline on the bulletin that you've been provided for, I am now finally on point one. But don't worry, there's only two points. So we're looking at this angelic pronouncement. Verse 4 heightens the tension of what will happen in verses 5 and 6. Two divine men were present. And this is a piece of evidence of the resurrection, a divine presence, a stamp of approval from above, you could say. The second is a divine word. So we can trust that the resurrection happened because there was a divine presence, but also there was a divine word. But this first, the divine presence, I want you to imagine all that they've gone through, all that they've seen, the, the trial, the walk to Calvary, the crucifixion, and then in the dawn on Sunday in the shadow of the tomb, a frightening Think of it, frightening scene explodes into their view. We have no reason to think they, that they've ever seen this before. We have no reason to ever think that they would understand, oh, okay, that's just two angels. Hey, this is about to get real, real all of a sudden. Right? They, they have no idea what is happening. They're perplexed, and then boom, an angel shows up and starts talking to them. Luke says that the two men were there, and we have no reason to think except for Mary, Jesus' mother, would have ever seen an angel like this before. John's gospel describes it as two angels appearing in human form. Mark describes them as looking young. Now, you may not care about the number of men here. There's detail in that there were two angels there, but there are two of them. And according to Deuteronomy 19, why it should be necessary for you to go, was there just one or was there two? Not because you like counting, one, two, three, but because in Deuteronomy 19, two witnesses are actually necessary for validating anything, right? You have to show two IDs to get another ID, right? You have to show two IDs just to get a video game or something like that. They needed two witnesses to be able to testify that this is a valid divine response from the Lord. So two of them pronouncing something carries for us heavy language. Now, I want you to think of the image of angels. Now, I've never really been big into art. I don't understand great art. Some people might go to a museum and they go, oh, do you see blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, it looks like a painting of a person riding a horse. I don't know what's so spectacular about it. I like it or I don't like it. When I lived several years ago, more than a decade ago, in the town of Bartlesville, northeast of us, over on the northeast edge corner of Oklahoma, one of the things that you do when you're new to town is you go on a tour, right? Because you want to find yourself whenever you're lost. And the thing that they are so proud of in Bartlesville, is that it has the only skyscraper designed by the architect Frank Lloyd Wright. And I thought to myself on that tour, who cares, right? I've seen a skyscraper before. It's not even that tall, right? You can go to the top and you go, oh, I can see like a mile away. No big deal. But Frank Lloyd Wright was known for his simplicity. While mixed with his modernity and blends in things and also sticks things out. So you think of maybe the houses that he has designed or the buildings or the museums or this skyscraper. 
where somehow it seems to blend into the scenery, but also stick out. So art became somewhat of an interest to me because I just wanted to fit in with people around me. I wanted friends. So you start going, wow, that is really cool. Look at that skyscraper. It's green, just like grass. And they're like, see, you get it. You're our friend. And I was excited. (laughs) When I went to seminary, seminary for me was really stressful because some of the classes are in other languages. And when I would get overwhelmed, I would go to a used bookstore and I would buy used copies of Architecture Digest because everything in an Architecture Digest is in order. And so you can just flip through the pages and in all the messiness of my life around me, you go, okay, here is a door and it opens like a door, right? Here is a house and it looks like a house. Okay, I can go back to my Hebrew flashcards. Now, I say all that because sometimes... Church history has art that is very helpful to us. You might think of the art form of Mary who is comforting Eve, where she is, has her hand placed on Eve in such a way to say, I know what you've gone through, but by me, God is blessing the curse that was put on you. There are a lot of ways in church history where art has been helpful, and there are a lot of ways in church history where art has been incredibly unhelpful. And one of those incredibly unhelpful ways that art has presented itself in church history is by describing angels. So when you think of an angel, you naturally think of some effeminate, Fabio-looking surfer wimp, right? Now, no offense to surfers, no offense to wimps, no offense to men who take very good hair, care of their hair. But that's not the biblical portrayal of angels. What the biblical portrayal of angels is something that is described to us as one of overwhelming power. It is frightening. An angel would show up with blazing robes or they would be inflamed like we could only imagine on a TV show. They were presented to people as warriors, those who would carry around swords with multiple kinds of heads. Sometimes they would appear like a lion or like a bear. They would look like very masculine men who were described as handsome, sometimes with six wings. And all of a sudden they are in front of these two gals. That would scare you to death, right? You're just holding, you know, maybe a purse of spices and you go, what did I get myself into? These women reacted appropriately, though. Look at verse 5. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. Throughout the Bible, there are clues about people's true and inner reverence to God. And one of those clues is how people reacted physically when confronted with a power sense of holiness. Those who were in love with the Lord, those who are in the faith, always are portrayed as people who would bow down, or they would go prostrate, or they would figure some way to get out of the presence of this sense of holiness. So when these women were frightened... It says a good thing about who they are. When they bowed their faces down, that means they recognized that something holy and divine was happening because there are other people in the scriptures, you might think all the way back to the Garden of Gethsemane, who when Jesus showed up, they were thrown back almost. Like when glory presents itself towards evil, evil seems to find every crevice around a wall that it can. These women recognized holiness. They bowed down. The visual that's portrayed in the Greek here has the connotation that connects these words with Jesus' own transfiguration, which tells us 
that not only is this a divine occurrence, the visitation of angels, obviously it's a divine occurrence, but their words actually carry the weight of the logos. Their words that they would say carry the weight of the Son of God. Their words would carry the full weight of the Christ. But, but hear this pronouncement, and it's different than an announcement. The second point is about an announcement. This one is a pronouncement. A pronouncement is to formally declare or officially or ceremoniously declare something happening where an announcement is to make known or to proclaim or give a general announcement for all that can hear. The angels are first pronouncing and declaring to the women that Jesus is alive and that they are looking in vain. Look at, look at the end of verse 5 and through verse 6. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. With a rebuke toward their work, the angels signal for the first time that Jesus is alive. This would have been the first case of people who would know that Jesus is now alive. The living one who is the resurrection and the life who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life is alive. The one who cannot be conquered without his own permission. The one whose death cannot hold him among the dead, the women are asked, what are you doing here? You might imagine in their own hearts and that they're just trying to do the right thing, right? They're just showing up because they love this guy. And boom, angels are there. What are you doing here? And you're like, I don't even know anymore. William Barclay in his commentary on Luke points out perfectly that you and I, Men and women naturally do the very same thing that these women do. We go looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. They should have known better had they listened to his very words. We go looking for him. You think, you and I, we go looking for him among the dead. I don't know if you've been to a Christian bookstore lately or even just an ordinary bookstore with a religion section, but the amount of junk there about religious feeling or spiritual pursuits, all but ignore the totality of the resurrection altogether. They're aiming at the feeling as if it's absent from the resurrection itself. Brooke and I were amazed continually when we lived in Albuquerque a couple of years ago because the the second largest religion there behind Roman Catholicism was New Age. This Eastern mystic idea that inhuman forces were guiding all of life according to certain rock formations or karma or dream catchers or environmentalism. Now, I'm I'm sure you've heard or saw the report that came out in the last two weeks that for the first time since the question was asked, in like 80 years, that church membership has now dropped below 50%. And you probably heard that church attendance is also at an all-time low, not even accounting for covid Now, I have my opinions about that, but the reality is is that people are looking for life among the dead. People are looking, and that's good. People are longing, and that's good, but they're looking for the living among the dead. To the non-Christian, you need to know if you are here because someone has brought you, if you are here because you just needed to sit by your grandma so that you can get her supper later, if you are just here because you have questions about Christianity and you know that Easter is just a big time for all of us, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you need to know that God has not revealed himself to humankind in a way that suggests that Jesus is just a theory. Okay? We're not worshiping a philosophy. 
We're not attuning ourselves to a set of predetermined beliefs. We're not embraced by a religious feeling. We're not just grasping for something as Christians because we think it'll make us feel better, but instead we have been encountered by and summoned to an actual living Christ, a living Savior. The angels that these ladies have heard on high are not sweetly singing over the plains. See what I did there? That took a lot of work. The message that these triumphant, holy, overwhelming angels have brought is that Jesus is alive and it changes everything because now hope becomes reality and faith becomes truth. They become specific with their words, not vague. They are now speaking not in rhetorical words, but they are becoming very specific. Look at verse 6. He is not here in the tomb. Why? Because he has risen. He's been raised. He's not been taken. He's not been moved. He's not been kidnapped. He's not been taken out back and being done with again, but he has been raised. God's holy messengers in this inerrant, authoritative, and irrefutable fashion declare that the Son of God, the innocent man, delivered to the cross, the majestic baby, the God incarnate, is alive. And these women need to look no more because he is not there. And so they give for us, uh, in this next verse, in verse 7, they give for us a timeless announcement. So if there, was a, uh, if there was an angelic pronouncement, they now, their words give us a timeless announcement. These words in verse 7, go ahead and look at them. That the Son of Man may be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. These words was another announcement from the angels to the women, but they also ring exceptionally loud for you and for me today. These angels say, remember how he told you. Remember how he predicted that this would be the case. Remember when he was alive and Galilee, where these women would have come from, and even though the Bible has yet to be inscripturated, these are the very words that they are saying, these are the very words that Christ has said. Flip back in your copy of the Bible to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And go to verse 22. Luke 9, 22. Just before the transfiguration, Luke 9, 22. Starting in verse 21. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. This was a repeated statement throughout Jesus' ministry. This was not, or it should not have been a surprise to those who were following Jesus because he talked like this. It's recorded in Luke, it's recorded in Matthew, and it's recorded in the book of Mark that God would seek to seek sinners through angels and tell them of what's being prophesied has been completed. He is risen. This would have been the case of everyone else who would have encountered these angels. The angels speak a word intended to comfort and encourage the women. And in reality, they speak the very word that you and I would call the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. This is a showcase of them bringing the Bible, if you will, to these women. They are using Christ's words to testify about Christ. The women were wandering about, aiming to do good things, but pointless things because they were looking for the living among the dead. And though you just saw with your eyes in chapter 9, 
You could also see in chapter 18, if you would flip over there, though you don't have to right now, where Jesus said that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Friends, spiritually, you may find yourself like these women, chasing after a spiritual life here and there, never being satisfied with what God has provided for you, never being satisfied by what you have in yourself, never being satisfied by all the aims of your own ambition. In many ways, that is very good because the more we look at ourselves, the more we recognize that we are not on our own in good fitting. The angels speak a word intended to comfort them. Maybe you come today because you haven't been here in a while and welcome back and we're glad to see you. But if you want a word from God, If you want to know about God, if you want to meet God, if you want a relationship with God, the ultimate and final and savingly way that you can do so is you must meet Him in the person of His Son as presented to you by His very Scriptures. All the looking in the world that you and I can have for satisfaction, whether that is in achievement or sexuality or relationally, any way that you and I could try to find this glory that we all aim to seek for. It can only be found in the very person of Jesus. And you don't have to look far to see him. The truth about him is presented in this very word that you and I have a copy of. The the announcement that the angels gave was saying the very words of Christ that have been recorded in our very word. The word that the angels were speaking was God's word to lift up the hearts of women. This was such an encouraging thing. And they do the same for you today if you'll listen. If you'll read, if you'll meditate on day and night, this is why you and I may feel like you don't know much about God. You and I might feel like we are distant. There are always days, right, where we, where we wake up and we feel distant from His grace and mercy. Or you go through something tragic or a circumstance that is harsh and you just feel so separated. This is why some of us feel so distant or turned off. Or we have a thousand questions. But we can find the truth. Because we can see them in Christ's very words, in the word that he gives us. Now, you might think, well, if I only had an encounter like these women, maybe I need to go find a tomb and hope for some angels to show themselves. Or maybe if I only had an experience like Jonah and the giant fish, or Moses and a burning bush, or Peter walking on the seas. Well, friend, the the full truth of God's redeeming work on the cross and the resurrection from the tomb is right in front of us. Listen to what these angels are speaking and allow the truths of the Lord to transform your life completely. The resurrection is for us not just a time on the Christian calendar, but it is a reorienting effect for our entire lives. When we, we've talked about here, oftentimes about preaching the gospel to ourselves, and you and I might be quick to know, I'm a sinner. We might be quick to know, Jesus died for my sins, but we are not quick to know that he rose from the dead and that changes everything in our lives. Think about your own life. What would be different if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead? I mean, in many ways, (laughs) you could do whatever you want, right? There are no consequences for evil because evil wouldn't have been poured out on him. There is no hope in a resurrecting life, a new life for us in the heavens with God the Father because even God's own son died and was not raised from the dead. If Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, then you can do whatever you want. And also on top of that, nothing matters. But because the tomb is empty, we recognize that like what we saw in the book of Proverbs, stuff does matter. 
God does have care and concern for his people. God is wanting us to recognize this empty tomb so we can confess our sins and believe in him and so that we can live a life that is toward a sanctified, more holy and glorifying walk. What this text presents is that the Jesus of the New Testament is real and all of his words and all of his ways should be known, meaning we should believe in him for our life. We're not here to honor the memory of someone who was around, but rather we are here to celebrate the presence of someone who is alive. Our relationship with Jesus, as told to us from the scriptures, which guides us in the truth, is only present because they didn't find him present in the tomb. And so this is the very climax of the gospel, where the gospel is the good news that our holy God never abandoned his people due to our own sin but he has rescued them to himself through the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. By his death, he paid the penalty for our sins. And by his resurrection, we have hope that we will be raised from our own death and will be with him forever. After our own death, our bodies will return to dust. But because Christ rose to life from death, our spirits return immediately to God. We have sincere hope to be resurrected and placed in glory before God because Christ overcame the grave, emerging victoriously from his own grave to reign in the heaven now. He is alive, and his resurrection gives us hope for our resurrection and our eternal life. In a very old hymn written by Charles Wesley in the 1700s that's not typically printed in hymnals, it says, All ye that seek the Lord who died, see the Lord is arisen indeed, to death delivered in your own stead. His rise proclaim, your sins forgiven He shews the living way to heaven. Go tell the followers of your Lord their Jesus is to life restored. His lives, he lives that they may have life and may find his life is quickened toward all mankind. Friend, when we come and rehearse the truth of Jesus' resurrection, we know that it sends us on a new life for his own glory. Let's pray together. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word, and we ask that you would place in us an understanding of the rich grace and mercy and love that you have given us through your son's death and by the power of his resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.